What's going on, guys? We are back with the 50 plus one football podcast, your home for all things Premier League and Bundesliga. We have a nice, short, and concise host of topics for you today. But with me, as always, a man who, to me, you know, it's like a managerial change to Hasan Salihamidzic and uh, Oliver Kahn at Bayern. It's Billy. Oh, nice to give it away what we're talking about. Yeah, just three topics this week, but they are some big ones. We'll start in the Premier League where Tottenham have finally sacked Antonio Conte. We say sacked, left by mutual consent, as mutual as that can be. Then we'll move over to Germany, where a bit of a shock, really. It unraveled rather quickly that Bayern have now let go Julian Nagelsmann as their manager and hired former Chelsea and Dortmund man Thomas Tuchel. And we'll also take a look at Cologne and their transfer ban. Why and how does it affect them? But all that and more, straight after this. So, I said it in the intro, we'll start in the Premier League, we'll start with Antonio Conte, probably the most expected, especially after the rant following the 3 all draw with Southampton. Yeah, I mean, you don't get away with saying that your club isn't fit to win titles and shouldn't be thinking about winning any titles and that your whole team is not a team without some kind of a consequence i'd argue it was more than you know it was more than he had it more than coming put it that way um you know he i think you pointed it out best and it was the fact that he did spend 117 million on players and whatnot and it just wasn't the right recruitment which means he had the backing for one thing if we're being honest so how much can he really shoot his mouth off if he hasn't had the right results coming in with the backing that he received i think it was 170 million pounds that he spent during his tenure look it's been a difficult one it's been Tottenham fans have wanted it for a while. I know there's a lot of them that are pining for Pochettino. There's a lot of them that just aren't happy with the football. The cons- there's no consistency to it. But since he's taken over at Tottenham, they've won the fourth most points in the league behind Liverpool, Arsenal and Manchester City. You know, they've got more points than Chelsea, more points than Manchester United, more points than Newcastle. So in yeah, in the same time period, yeah. In the same time period, there's somewhat it's okay, but I, I do see where they're coming from and I annoyed a few players as well because uh Pierre Emil Hoyberg said after the Southampton game, after the Southampton rant when he was on international duty, you know, be more specific, which players aren't to your liking, you know, he hasn't said anything to us that players aren't to his liking it's just but come on you were leading at Southampton bottom of the league comfortable really comfortable and then it just completely collapses yeah I mean I'd argue there has to be something where you're just like something you can't the players can't just shift the blame to the manager you know yes the manager is the person who you know carries the consequences first, as I think we'll see throughout this episode. Um, But, you know, you can't just collapse with that comfortable of a lead at the bottom of the table. Um, 
and then just just say, you know what, we can't just be talking about, you know, us players. We have to be talking about the manager. Like, there's definitely something that happened on that pitch where you're just like, mm, that's a little bit much, which is interesting because I think for me, the stat that really stands out most when you look at Conte's tenure is plus 51 goal difference, which means, you know, he's not done all that much wrong in in that sense. And I think he was probably the best manager they could have gotten in at the time. But, you know, we've been saying so often that their performances haven't been all that bad. You can't get around the fact that they're carried by the performances of Kane and Son last season. Um, if Kane leaves this summer, I'd argue Spurs are screwed. Son is struggling at the minute, and Spurs just aren't producing when when their key players are done. I mean, yeah, you could argue every team you know relies on key players and whatnot, but there's an over-reliance on Kane and Son at this point. And in my eyes, Spurs just aren't ready to win a title. They don't deserve to. Um, it's almost like a sense of entitlement that you know they should be better than they are just because they're a top six club and they should be winning titles. Like, I'm sorry, but Spurs are extremely far from winning any sort of title, really. Um, there's no continuity in managers. There's no clear philosophy behind the players that I think they've gotten in, um, which is a little bit down to the fact that they just don't have any continuity in managers because they've been changing every one to two years, basically. Um, you know, Pochettino was the last one to stay for longer than two or three years. Um, and even then it didn't work. So I think there is still some truth to what Antonio Conte said. Um, but nevertheless, they probably had to fire him at that point or you know, have him leave by mutual consent, whatever you want to call it, um, after that rant. Yeah, look, he's not at the easiest time. Obviously, he had to have that operation to remove his gallbladder. He'd then been recovering in Italy Spurs picked up when Christian Stellini was on the touchline. Incidentally, yeah. he's the one that's been giving caretaker control until the summer. But Makes then sense. Yeah. Conte was back and forth from Italy, and I think it was just a case of it was it had broken down. You know, Daniel yeah. Levy is notoriously not an easy man to deal with. No. We'll talk about some more uh, difficult men to deal with when we talk about Bayern, but you look at some of the names that are being linked with the Tottenham job. Obviously, Julian Nagelsmann and Mauricio Pochettino. Okay? They've had Poch and Nagelsmann is now available, one of the best young managers in Europe. On that note, Julian Nagelsmann has been linked, yes, but since the... I know I'm spoiling quote-unquote, a little bit of the, uh, this episode. But since he was sacked from Bayern, there have been a bunch of rumors, you know, Nagelsmann to Real Madrid, even if Ancelotti should leave. Um, and then Nagelsmann to Tottenham uh, being the next, you know, realistic uh, place to go. But there have already been sources close to him saying he wants to have a look and analyze his Bayern tenure, um, have a look at what's happened, and maybe you know, just take a little bit of a break and, you know, reset and see what his next place should be. So I think it is very unlikely that we will see Julian Nagelsmann taking over at Tottenham in the near future. Um, never, obviously, never say never, but I think, you know, a, an immediate takeover, definitely not. And even in the summer, I'd be 
very careful to say, you know, that's where he's going. Some of the other names, you know, Luis Enrique, now no longer with Spain, uh, Thomas Frank, obviously the Brentford manager, Roberto De Zerbi. Apparently, uh, there's a release clause in his Brighton contract, but how true that is. I mean, we said, we said a couple episodes ago, De Zerbi, he's been at Brighton for all of 10 minutes. I think it's a little bit premature to be talking about him, but obviously any manager with success is going to be thrown in the ring for uh, a top six Prem club. And then you get the more depressing names. So, you know, you're Brendan Rodgers. Ugh. Oliver Glasner's been linked, but Arnie Schlott from Feyenoord. But it could literally be anyone. I think Glasner's also... I mean, it's, I, think it's, I think it's a bit harsh to say, you know, Glasner's a depressing name because I think he's done... He's shown that at Frankfurt he can work wonders. And I think if you got Tottenham a Europa League title, they shouldn't be complaining. It'd be it'd be silverware in Tottenham's trophy cabinet, and we all know the only thing that's in their trophy cabinet is dust. So, and I know this isn't uh, on Antonio Conte, but worth just mentioning as well the um, the appointment that they made of uh, Paratici from Juventus. That's now completely crumbled after his ban was extended from just Italian football to worldwide football. And he's the man, along with Daniel Levy, that's, well, was supposed to be heading up that manager search. And all these reports are coming out now that Daniel Levy was warned by numerous people, so many people in football, don't hire Paratici. Because obviously there were rumours and there were sort of like whispers of this, of this stuff that happened at Juventus. So... I mean, hiring someone from Juve in for your for a management position in the current climate that Juve are in. Wow. I mean, that is that is just either not doing your due diligence or you're just you just really don't care. But you would think that someone who is as, you know, I don't know, how would you describe Daniel Levy? Anal, I guess, or you know, attentive to detail at least, at the very least, you would think that someone of his stature who is just, I'd say, you know, more careful, put it that way. Daniel Levy is, in my eyes, a, a careful, you know, owner, and he does take a lot of looks at what the next move is or next big move is for a club. For him to then not have the, you know, to just be so nearsighted when having a look at Paratici is just, I don't know. I think that's a bit that that is also a screw up on his part. Yeah, look, Daniel Levy is not the main problem at Spurs, but he is one of many. You know, you talk yeah. about them not having a direction, being a bit rudderless. He's the man that's supposed to give them that direction. Antonio Conte saying, oh, you know, it's it's just what happens at Spurs. Players come here and they, they it's leave, comfortable. Yeah. Players come here, it's comfortable. They don't they don't try, they don't show. Because it's like, what I saw out there isn't a, isn't a football team. Yeah, I mean, it's almost a culture of, you know, they, they come and then they go after a couple of years. And it's like, yeah, okay, you were at a big six club uh, that have aspirations always to be in top four. It's all well and good. You have maybe a Champions League run that extends to the round of 16. Um, and that's it. You know, it, it is just very, as you said, comfortable. It's, it's almost like a, it's almost a bit, you know, stepping stone-esque, if you will. I don't know. I think that it just has to be, there have to be some, some you know underlying changes that need there are underlying changes that need to be made 
at that club for it to function properly or at least function in a capacity where they can win titles. Well, I mean, the long and short of it is the the squad's just not good enough. Obviously, you've, oh, got, yeah. Harry, you've got Harry Kane uh, and Kim Min Son, who, yeah. who are two great players. But then Ben Davies, no. I'm sorry, Clement Longley. No. No, no one Eric, knows why he was at Barca. Like. Eric Dyer, I cannot... You cannot have aspirations to get into the Champions League playing Eric Dyer. You know, Oliver Skip is yeah. Oliver Skip's a younger player, but he, you know, he could come good. But Hoiberg is mid-table at best. Christian Romero's good. He's just very rash. Yeah. Uh, Pedro Porro, it's probably too early to make a judgment on because he's only been there about two seconds. But Richarlison, man, 50, 60 million pounds, and he's not scored a league goal. Yeah, it just shouldn't. It, it just shouldn't. I think. I think it's. You know that is just, you know, again, you know, it's a it's a problem, but it's not, you know, one of the main problems. I'd say it's the result of a lot of problems in upper management that have led to the squad just not being ready for anything, you know, above finishing top four. Well, let us know who do you think you should be the new Tottenham boss. Were you happy with Antonio Conte sacking? Let us know on Twitter and on Instagram. But let's now move over to Bayern Munich. Well, you did say, you know, probably one of the most groundbreaking things to happen in the last, uh, or over the international break. Julian Nagelsmann has been sacked by the Bayern bosses and they have replaced him with Thomas Tuchel. Now, dubious circumstances surrounding how it even came into, you know, thing to be because obviously Bayern have had some communications problems and they've been shown up again because it was Fabrizio Romano or as Billy likes to refer to him Daddy Fab uh, who broke the news first and when Billy sent it to me I didn't think there was anything you know close to truthful about it but then again it is Fabrizio Romano so I was like it just came so out of left field honestly out of nowhere and to sack a manager that you've stumped up 25 million euros for after let's be honest no time at all yeah i mean let's let's put it this way bayern not had the best time of it since the world cup you know if we're looking at the last 10 matches they've played five wins three draws two losses um the loss against Leverkusen definitely Bayern did not look up to anything. And, you know, they they deservedly lost. Um, the loss against Gladbach, you can't really count, if we're being honest, because that was just a BS red card that, you know, completely changed the match after 10 minutes. Um, the draws, you know, you can draw to Frankfurt. You can draw to Köln this season. It's It was just, you know, it's just the fact that Bayern maybe don't have the dominance in the Bundesliga that they used to. They're one point off of Dortmund, who are first right now in the league. It's the most entertaining title race we've had in the last 10 years. Um, and they've had a perfect run in the Champions League and are um, facing Freiburg and the DFB Pokal next. So if you want to look at, you know, the Bayern bosses have said it's down to the results. Those results do not scream mid-season sacking. Well, here's, here's the thing, you know, restarted in January. Nine points clear of Dortmund, and in ten games they've thrown that away. 
Yeah, I mean, put it this way. The the results, you can argue that there was reason to second because it wasn't down just to maybe the results in this season. But if we're looking at the um, at basically Bayern's form since Julian Nagelsmann took over, it's been very wave. It, it, they've been riding waves of good form and then they've gone down. They've gone they've then gotten their form back up and it's very it's not really been uh a gradual progression of play but it's been a bunch of highs and lows and you don't know when the highs and lows are going to hit you know the bundesliga it's all well and good winning it um but you know champions league last season losing to Villarreal. um i think those are some of the things that definitely had the bosses thinking but at the end of the day, for me, it's not so much, you know, the reasoning given is the fact that they backed him up until Sunday, three days before he was sacked openly in, um, you know, in interviews. And I think that is just, it's now made Bayern, who I think internationally were seen as being, you know, a familial club and uh, they always, you know, stuck together and it wasn't so much of a cool and calculating club that just sack a manager and are trigger happy like a lot of the top six clubs are in in the uk for instance um but now bayern have stooped to that level in my eyes well that's the thing herbert heiner said like you said three days before he was sacked you know we plan for the long term with Nagelsmann. we see the progress you know he he makes well the direct quotes he makes his job very good you know he's very good at his job yeah. So for that to go from that to, sorry, Julian, we're going to let you go. Let's look at some of the reasons because we've covered one quite in depth. So we won't go into to that as much. We but we will just touch on it. We will touch on the the sacking Result, of yeah. uh, Tony Topalovic and the other issue, main issue like squad development and things like that. So if you haven't listened to it, again, it's on our Spotify where we talk about the sacking of Tony Topalovic, the long-term friend of Manuel Neuer, came from Schalke with him, was the best man at his wedding, uh, was the assistant manager under Hansi Flick. And Sorry, just to interject, uh, not assistant manager, but he had a very high standing with Hansi Flick. Senior, and, you know, senior coach under Hansi Flick. Yeah, exactly. Like he, Flick listened to Topalovic when he had something to say, put it that way. Whereas Nagelsmann uh, apparently didn't. Not just that he didn't listen. He didn't go to Neuer for uh, to get the, his pole or his uh, finger on the pulse of the team. He went to the third designated captain, Joshua Kimmich. Not even you know Thomas Müller, Müller who was the uh, second designated captain. But yeah. So, Palovich gets the sack, seemingly out of nowhere. I don't think you normally sack a coach midway through a season. Not an uh, assistant coach or, yeah. I called it a power play, mm-hmm. which you kind of disagreed with, but yeah. also there, there's some elements of that as well. And then Neuer does that interview and there's no direct conflict, but different interviews, different media appearances, there's little spats and... Yeah, he then refused to confirm whether Neuer would get the captaincy back or not. Which you know isn't isn't great when you're talking about you know one of the main reasons that uh, Bayern have had so much success in the last few years. Also, just to uh, throw in a little bit of uh, 
recent news. I don't know if it's recent news, really, but Neuer has yet to make any public comment on the sacking of Julian Nagelsmann, so that should tell you something. Well, there we go. I don't think there's any love loss. No. Uh, there is there. But let's talk about the development of the squad, because obviously he's got at his disposal one of the best youngsters in Europe at the moment. But Jamal Musiala came through under Hansi Flick. Yeah, I'd probably credit Flick with that one, in all honesty. As as a fan, talking from a fan perspective now, has there been any improvement in Musiala under Nagelsmann? Well, I mean, I'd still argue that Nagelsmann took Musiala, who was an up-and-coming, you know, sporadic player to someone who is now you know this season he's been starting every game basically that's happened under um under Julian Nagelsmann I wouldn't give him full credit for it because you know and it doesn't matter if it's Nagel it would have been Nagelsmann or any other manager I just think that you know Flick brought him through and then now Nagelsmann developed him a little bit further uh for me the biggest kind of rebuttal to that you know not developing players is that Stanisic who incidentally was amazing against um, PSG in the second leg. He didn't really play any sort of role under Flick. Nagelsmann took him and made him to a World Cup squad player. He went to the World Cup with Croatia, um, and he made him into quite a good Bundesliga defender. Probably not world-class yet, but he definitely was good. Um, I think the main reason people are saying development is just because of the way that Serge Gnabry and Leroy Sané, who arguably, you know, they're supposed to be the replacements for Robin and Ribéry, um, not just with their, you know, hit numbers, obviously, but, you know, that wing duo, just they haven't been performing at a continuously high level. They've also had, like, dips in forms. And they've kind of been made to made the scapegoats of Bayern's dips in forms because, you know, their form kind of coincided with the team's form. Um, which I think is unfair. And also to say that Nagelsmann didn't develop players, I don't know how much of a stretch it is. Obviously, if a player is struggling, it might be down to the manager very well, but uh, I think to lay the blame completely at Nagelsmann's feet just because two players are kind of having dips in form is a little bit much. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, so this is... Well, it just reinforces your original opinion on Hassan Salihamidzic because you were quite complimentary of him after the summer when you brought in Delict. Who wouldn't and, have been? In all honesty, yeah. But is it fair to say they sort of acted in panic because Thomas Tuchel was available, and there were all these rumours: are oh, could potentially go to Spurs, could potentially go here, could go there. Yes there's no two ways about it the only reason like like i said there none of the results had you know mid-season sacking written over Julian Nagelsmann it would have been completely fine if they had said you know at the end of the season we're going to go a different route because we just haven't seen the development and the results that we wanted in the last two years that would have been fine for me but to sack in mid-season the only real reason wasn't the results. It was the fact that Thomas Tuchel was going to be off the market two weeks later, most likely. And there's been rumors, some sources have said in Germany that he even had a plane booked to London to meet with Spurs in about, you know, a week's time from time of recording. So 
because Spurs also knew that Conte was being sacked uh, or they wanted to part ways with Conte. So, you know, I think it, yeah, it very much was Tuchel's right now on the market. He's not going to be there at the end of the season. He's the most likely, he's the best replacement we can get in for Nagelsmann. And I just think they could have done it with a lot more style and a lot more um, understanding and also thanks for what Julian Nagelsmann has done for the club so far. They could have maybe offered a pre-contract like they do very often to Thomas Tuchel and said, you know what, you're going to have a job from the 1st of July 2023, Nagelsmann, we're sorry, but uh, yeah, uh, we want to part ways at the end of the season. Um, Yeah, it would have been a hard hard pill to swallow, but it would have at least left Nagelsmann with a choice. Do I want to leave now and then let them have Tuchel now, or do I want to stick it out till the end of the season? It would have still been better than what they've done now. So, like I said, it doesn't have a Mia San Mia feeling anymore. Um, you know, the fact that the club is a family, and I think you just can't get over the fact that the Bayern bosses have now just put themselves, you know, and made Bayern into a cold and calculating club, which for me, it's on a level with UK clubs and PSG. It's not fair anymore, and it's not, you know, a warm familial feeling. Quite a damning thing to say about about your own club. Uh, yeah, just... I Sadly, yes. Let's just hypothetically, is there a version of this where you don't win anything? Oh, very much so. The the pressure on Tuchel that's already been put on Thomas Tuchel because the reason that Nagelsmann was sat because he's not doing well enough, he's not winning enough already, despite a clean sweep in the Champions League, beating PSG twice and things like that. Possible departures for Sally Hamid Zitchin, Oliver Khan? I mean, I think if Tuha doesn't win at least two of the three titles or get a lone Champions League title, it will look like a stupid forced decision from the board. Um, that will lead to a lot of heads rolling, or I say a lot of heads, but that should be leading to heads rolling in the upper management. And I don't think Sally Hamid Zitchin Khan would be safe from there either. Um, you know, it, it just puts so much pressure, as you said, on uh, Tuchel, and it's it gets to the point where now Tuchel's got, as you said, got the pressure um, to succeed, and even if he does win everything, there will still be an air of was it really necessary? You know, the familial atmosphere, as I've said, will be gone either way. So it it is it is a very unpopular decision, which the bosses have also said that they definitely. Uh, that they definitely feel, but um, yeah, that's just the way it is, I guess. Well, there we go. Do you think Thomas Tuchel will be a success at Bayern, or do you think it's a panic hiring that could just end up in Bayern becoming like PSG and sacking a manager every six months? But we've talked about one club in Germany in a bit of a crisis. Let's talk about another, because uh, FC Kern, not uh, the best news to uh, wake up to. Yeah, so, Bill, if you would have expected any club to be handed a transfer ban for the you know coming summer and winter transfers, would you have expected it? Would you have expected it to be der erste FC Köln in Germany? Just right off the top of your head. Honestly, no. I think if I had to pick a name out of a hat, just at random, I'd have picked Chelsea. There you go. But, um, oh, there's a... 
there's a story here, isn't there? Well, yeah. I mean, I can take you through a little, a little bit of the, uh, of the events, and then Bill, I'd love to get your take on the consequences that FIFA have uh, decided are fitting for such a transgression. But you know, we'll take you back to August 2022. Köln signed up and coming six, then 16 year old strikers. Um, Jakob Zuba, I think, is the correct pronunciation. If I butchered it, I'm sorry to any of our Slovenian uh, listeners. Please do correct me. Um, but he was an up and coming talent at his original club called Olympia Ljubljana. Um, and apparently, Köln instigated the resignation of Tsuba, or at least, you know, kind of drove Tsuba to, uh, you know, basically dissolve his contract with his, uh, with his then current club. Um, and then signed Subana free. So that doesn't make it look so well for Köln. Now, FIFA responded by investigating the circumstances because the club uh, Ljubljana then started, well, they were, they were basically pissed off because they could have gotten a lucrative transfer fee for their town, which is, you know, they're right. Um, FIFA investigate and their findings prompt uh, a penalty which is a ban on transfers, both national and international, for the coming summer and winter transfer periods of the 2023 and 2024 season on all levels, not just youth, but also senior. Now, would you say that that is fair? Uh, look, it, for it to be all levels sounds a little bit extreme. It reminds me of something that happened with Chelsea uh, ages ago. Uh, West Brom had a player called Izzy Brown, 16-year-old kid, and essentially the same thing happened there. So, obviously, you can move for free in youth ranks up to a certain age. Uh, Chelsea basically sort of, I don't want to use the word, groomed him, essentially. Um, and it went to tribunal and Chelsea weren't banned or anything. They just had to pay so many hundreds of thousands of pounds that they would have done in a transfer fee. Yeah. So to ban Kern for two windows, that could potentially destroy that club for the sake of a 16-year-old Slovenian striker. Yeah, I, I mean, in my eyes also, the ban is just too much. If you look at clubs like uh chelsea like city like psg like barza that infringe on you know ffp basically every year and they're skipping away with you know excluding chelsea uh i'm sorry excluding city at this moment in time so much as a fine um to then take a smaller club like Köln and who, who basically have you know i'd argue they have screwed up on the transfers just you know from what from the reports we've gotten you know definitely there is it's not all uh, you know, it's not a completely white tablecloth that Cohen have got on this on this issue. But I think if you penalize just the youth transfers and leave the senior transfers alone, it's fine. You know, that'd be fair. But to take it all out on the whole club, you know, notice they've left the women's football transfers. That's not a problem. The women's uh, department of Köln can still, you know, keep transferring in and transferring out players as they like. Um, 
that for me just is just such of a double such a double standard. You know, Chelsea had 29 infringements with their youth transfers in 2019 and were handed the same one year ban. And they even went to CAS and got the ban, you know, cut in half for just one transfer period, which was, you know, back when uh, Frank Lampard was still there and he brought through a couple of youth players like Mason Mountain, Reese James, and so on. Um, for me, it's just, you know, Chelsea had 29 infringements, Kern have won. Uh, other clubs like City, Real, and Atletico have obviously gotten their bans on similar issues lifted by means of a cast appeal. Um, I think it's just, you know, FIFA should be going after way bigger fish than Köln. You know, give them a transfer ban on youth transfers all you like, because that'd be fair, because it was a youth transfer. But to penalize basically the whole club from top to bottom is way too much. That's the thing. It, it, it smells like me a lot of let's make an example of a club that probably doesn't have the pull yeah, yeah. to you know overturn a decision like this. I think banning uh, Jakob Suba for four months is ridiculous. Um, I think if because you know what, a 16 year old kid they're not going to have any you know responsibility in contract talks and things like that are they it'll be an agent it'll be whoever's in charge of of him at the time so i mean they they, they should yes. be punished i think paying his former club some restitution fair, is the yeah. way forward that's fair because they would have got a transfer fee for him had he not yeah terminated his own contract so pay them some of that that's fair that's fine i've got no issue with that but to ban the club like FC Kern that relies on transfers to essentially well restack a squad because players will leave, players will move on. Yeah. You know, if they lose three or four of those first team players in the summer, Screwed. they will probably go down. I mean, a lot of people were already, were already saying that with three competitions and the squad they've got at this moment in time, there are candidates to go down, which, you know, thankfully they haven't, because I think Cohn is one of those integral members of the Bundesliga. Um, but yeah, you know, you, you look at also the ban on Jakob Zuba. The one thing that I could say it makes sense to ban him is because incidentally, he's been instrumental in Cohn's under 19s, making it uh, very far in the under-19 Bundesliga uh, campaign. Um, you know, you're looking at someone who's basically, you know, he's leading the goal-scoring list in the under-19s in the uh, U-19 Bundesliga West. And they're in the semi-final of the DFB Pokal or under-19 Pokal. So, you know, it's 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 hard to make the the case for them not for them not to ban him because obviously since he's transferred he's become instrumental for could but yeah at the end of the day it's just going to hurt his career and you know we're talking about a restitution of 51k that he's supposed to be paying his original club now according to the fifa um penalty his transfer arguably wouldn't be more than somewhere in the mid six figures if that i don't know it's a bit much, in all honesty. Yeah, it does just smell of trying to get one over and say, look, we still have power. We're still in control. Look what we did yeah. to FC Kern. If you do it, we'll do that to you. But people can just turn around and go, well, you did it to Chelsea. 
and they had theirs halved. So let's uh, let's wait and see what happens. But I think that's probably a very good place to leave it after the international break. It couldn't have been quiet, could it? Everyone's dying to get back to league play and have this international break over with. But as always, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to AT Sports News on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And make sure to check out the 50 Plus One football podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Podcasts. But thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm and love the beautiful game.